0: Jesus would have new life with God, new life with God that is available here and now, not just something that we're going to experience one day when we die and when we go to heaven. Yeah, that'll be a part of glory, but we can experience this new life with God here and now. And this new life with God, as we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, is not meant to be lived alone but it is meant to be lived in community. It is meant to be lived in part of a family. And that that family is called the church, God's family. That's you and that's me. As we've talked about the past couple of weeks, this is the call. This is the task of the church to stand in between. To stand in between the divine reality of God and ordinary human life. As the people of God, we stand in between things that are seen and eternal things that are unseen. This is the mission and the message of the church. We point to, we reflect, and we witness to what God has done in Jesus And this same good news that we're gathered around was actually the same news that God was revealing, was showing to some early Christians in a place called Ephesus. Ephesus was was an early church, and this letter was actually written to the Christians in Ephesus. It was an ancient city in modern-day Turkey today. Last week, we talked a little bit about the context and the background of Ephesus, But Ephesus was at the intersection of a major trade route. So there were a lot of surrounding communities that really depended on Ephesus for their trade and for their resources. Very similar to where we live here in the Central Valley, which is the ag capital of the country. I think even this last week, we had people all over the world here in the Central Valley for a farm show, right? buying all kinds of equipment. We have some people that work in that industry here at the church as well. But Ephesus had the equivalent. Many surrounding communities depended on their goods and their resources. And it's to this community of early Christians, of early followers of Jesus, to the Christians in Ephesus, that God, through the apostle Paul, he reveals his God-sized dreams. Something so big that not one person can contain it. And God's dreams are, are this. We see it over and over again in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, and then again in verse 22 in the final two verses of Ephesians chapter 1. God's dream is this God's dream is to bring all things together under Christ, all of creation everything that seems to be disordered, God's dream is to bring all of that together under Christ. So in other words, God's dream is to restore and put back together something precious that got broken, but he's not only going to put it back together, but he's going to make something new out of something that was broken. And God takes steps into fulfilling this dream of restoration by restoring us back to himself and back to each other. And you and I, as these people that have been restored by God, we've been united into a new body, into a new people that is going to witness to these God-sized dreams for all of humanity. Scripture refers to this body of believers as the church. We're the spiritual body of Jesus in this earth today. The story of Jesus continues in and through us. This is our story. The church in Scripture is not just a place. It's not just an event. It's not just something to do. But the church in the Scripture is a people. It's God's people. It's you and me, the family of God. God invites us not to just go to church or do church, but to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to carry on the mission of Jesus here and now. Last week, we talked a lot about alignment and what it actually means to align our will with God's will. And we talked about how we are the church when we align our dreams with God's dreams. And we are the church when we align our will with God's will. We talked about the power of alignment last week and how every single day each one of us has the choice of alignment where we will align our will. Because the truth is that where we align our will has consequences for every single day in this life and into eternity. And really, our choices of alignment really come to one of two choices many times. Either I can align my will and say, my will be done, or I can yield and surrender and say, Lord, your will be done. We are the church when we align our will with God's will. And in this passage that we're reading today, we're going to see a different important part of what it means to be the church, to be the family of God. And we see that we are the family of God when we serve. When by the grace of God, we receive the grace of God And a fruit of receiving God's grace is serving, is doing good works for the glory of God. That's not our salvation, but it's actually a fruit of the grace of God. When we serve one another and this world that God so passionately loves, that's part of what it means to step in and to be the church. By serving, we do a couple of things. We actually partner with God in accomplishing these God-sized dreams of restoring all of humanity and all of creation back to himself. And secondly, when we serve, we actually fulfill our life purpose as active members in the family of God. We see here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, just this emphasis once again. On serving, It says in, in the verse that actually our brother John read for us, it says, For we are God's handiwork, or God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in order to get clarity on just this gift of God, one of the gifts of God is, 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 is service. And we receive this gift of God, and we get to step into this gift when we receive the grace of God. So in order to understand the gift of service, we actually need to first understand what service is. It's a gift from God. Some of you have heard this uh, phrase before, this phrase, ministry. Many of you have your ministry here at the church where you help with hospitality or with children or with worship or or, or with welcome. Ministry simply means work and service. Ministry is just the work we do for the kingdom of God. We were created for good works. We were created to serve. And in order to really understand this gift of service, of ministry, we actually have to get rid of our old ideas about serving and about ministry. A misconception about, go- about work and service that I had for a long time, I had a wrong idea about work and service. I used to think that work and service was actually a consequence of sin. That because uh, Adam and Eve sinned, then they had to begin to work and to serve. No, but actually, remember, that fall, sin didn't enter into the world until Genesis 3. But in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, the creation was good. And then, then sin entered the world, and that's why we needed restoration but we see that ever since the beginning, that work and service or ministry was a gift from God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we see this ever since the beginning. It says this, remember, this is before the fall, before sin entered the world. In Genesis 2 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden to work and to take care of it. In other words, God's first gift, one of God's earliest blessings to people was the gift of serving, was the gift of work, the gift of being active members in God's family. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. That's why as God's people, we're actually called to refuse passivity. We're not passive we're active. We actually accept responsibility. We don't try to just brush it off and give it to someone else and consume just our thing. And we lead courageously. We refuse passivity, we accept responsibility, and we lead courageously because, gift, because this is a gift of God. Work and service for the glory of God. Serving is not a consequence of sin, but according to this passage, work and service is God's earliest blessing to us. We don't have to serve, but we get to serve. That's the gift that He invites us into. Service is a gift from God. But as I've said before, what's the trouble with gifts? The trouble with gifts is that gifts can be forgotten. The grace of God, which we talk about in this passage, the grace of God is the free gift of God to us, but the trouble with gifts is that gifts can be forgotten. I got reminded of this earlier this week um, on Valentine's Day. I I actually had one of uh, those moments where... um, I I was really proud of myself because I remembered a lot of things. I remembered Valentine's Day was coming. I got some flowers on Thursday. And we did our, our, Charlotte and I my wife, we did our Valentine's Day lunch on Thursday because the kids were in daycare. So it doesn't matter what, what day it was. But we just wanted to have some peace and quiet and to be able to be together and enjoy our lunch. We did that Thursday check. Then Valentine's Day came and we thought, you know what? We want to raise the kids to know that this is a day of of love, not just romantic love, but of friendship and family as well. So we actually organize our schedule a bit to be able to spend some extra time with them on Valentine's Day. And I I really felt like that was one of my high-peak moments as a dad, as a parent, um, where I thought to myself as we went to the local children's museum here, had a great day, really resolved a number of things, and I just kind of patted myself on the back. I said, you know what? I really have this parenting thing down. I should probably even write a book. There was a couple of moments, I thought to myself, where I got to really step in and resolve some big issues. My kids had some problems in the museum with sharing, I got to help them out, and they listened. My children had some cries and some tantrums, I got to calm them down. Then at the end of our visit, they asked me if I would get them these toy trains. They asked me for these toy trains from the gift shop. They begged me to please get one for them, so I got each one of them one of those trains and they hugged me so tight and you know, we all hugged it out and it was one of those moments. <laughs> I love you, dad, I love you too. So grateful, got to pat myself on the back. And I kid you not, I could almost hear that one song, Good, Good Father in the background. <laughs> yeah. But of course, that song is about God, it's God the Father. <laughs> not about a human father so maybe that was my first mistake but then we got home and we got back to reality and later that night the kids start fussing again i try the same thing from earlier doesn't work they didn't listen this time they're fussing there's chaos the house has exploded i could no longer hear that song good good father in the background <laughs> In fact, I was only thinking, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And forgive me, Father, because I don't know what I'm about to do with these two crazy kids. I thought, well, I have an idea. I can remind my sons about the wonderful time that we had together earlier and remind them of the free gift that was given to them. And remember the wonderful time that we had. So I called my boys over and asked them to bring the trains that I bought them just a few hours before, earlier that day. And they brought only one train. (laughs) Yet we bought two trains. (laughs) They brought one train, and it looked like this one train that they brought was already starting to break. And I asked my younger one, where is your train? Where's the train that I bought you? And he said, I don't know, just kind of shrugged, I don't know. So what did we do after that? It was lost somewhere and he had forgotten where it was. This gift that had been given to him had been forgotten. So what did we do the next hour? We just spent the next hour looking for this train. And I don't know about you, but anyone that's been a parent or taking care of kids before, but I feel that since I've been a parent, so much of my life is now just taken up by looking for stuff. I really think like two-thirds of my life is just looking for stuff. (laughs) Looking for lost shoes, lost toys, you name it. So I realized that evening, all joking aside, that the trouble with gifts is that gifts can be forgotten. Grace is the gift of God that often gets forgotten by us. It's something that we can remember, think about. There can be that special moment, and then we forget. Life happens. Distractions happen. That's why we come together every Sunday to remind each other of the gift of God, the grace of God because that's the trouble with gifts. At first, we can receive a gift and be filled with so much joy, but then something happens along the way, and it's the same way with the gift of grace, the gift of grace which leads to service. Some of us have had the opportunity to serve, and we've gotten a taste of it. Every once in a while, we get to utilize this God-given gift of serving, of being beyond ourselves. That's why here, every Sunday, we have our announcements, and we give people opportunities to serve, to serve here at your local church, to serve in some of the projects that we do. We're going to be doing an Easter service project in the first week of April. Then we do a fall outreach every fall as well. These are ways to serve, to live out that God-given purpose. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we can learn lessons when we serve. And one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in serving is that oftentimes when we serve, when we lay down our lives, when we give ourselves away, we actually get back even more than we gave. And what we're getting back is really that reminder of the grace of God, the gift that leads us to serving. It's the gift that keeps on giving. God calls us to serve, to serve Him and to serve one another. We see this emphasized again in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. It says, "...for it is by grace you have been saved." through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, or God's workmanship, or God's masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's the invitation of God. As God's family, we're a people set apart. We're set apart for God's purposes. That's what it means to be holy. I love how this past uh, Tuesday during our Bible study, someone mentioned that. If we were to live out our lives as God had intended, then we would be a different kind of people. We'd be abnormal in the, to the patterns of this world where instead of just taking and consuming as God's people, we choose to lay down our lives and to give it away. Instead of just trying to hoard what's mine and control others around me, Jesus teaches us a new way. Because here's what's going to happen when we just try it our own way or in the way that we see in the patterns of the world or society or whatever it may be. When we try our way instead of God's way, this is what's going to happen. When we try to, instead of giving our lives away, we try to control ourselves and others around us. When we try to just hoard and control others around us, the result will be this. When we try to control others, we're going to eventually step on people's toes. When I'm trying to control another person, I'm constantly trying to impose my will and my way over them. Or there's another way of trying to control someone, right? Trying to step on their toes or I can become overly needy, overly dependent on others or become so self-pitying that it is exhausting to be around me. Those are the two sides of trying to control other people and that's only going to work until it doesn't or until there's backlash. But Jesus teaches us another way. Instead of trying to control and hoard what's mine, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to give it away for the sake of others, for the sake of God, and to have that self-love, self-care as well. I'm going to serve and I'm going to give. I'm going to serve with a relentless grace that is generous and unconditional, just as God's grace has been generous and unconditional toward us. These are more than just commands. Jesus knows what He's talking about. They also serve as warnings. It's a warning that if we stop serving, then we can lose our sense of gratitude. We can lose our sense of gratitude for what we've been given And here's something that I've learned over the years, and we see it in the scriptures as well. Gratitude grounds us in reality. The grace of God leads to gratitude. Whenever you need a reality check, begin with gratitude. Begin with asking yourself, what are you grateful for today? Gratitude is a reality check. Yet the opposite is true as well. If I'm ungrateful, an ungrateful heart, an ungrateful soul cuts me off from reality. When I'm ungrateful, I can't see reality as it is. But when we serve, we can better understand the grace that God has given us. When we serve, we can practice and live out gratitude. When we serve, we're constantly reminded of the gift that we've had all along. The gift of grace. The gift of God. The gift of grace for the sake of service. Friends, brothers, sisters, let's be clear about this. If my attitude is one where I just refuse to serve where I just want to consume, I want to take, I refuse to serve and to give just as God has served and given me, if we refuse to serve, then we don't understand the grace of God. Because service is a response to the grace of God. We serve because He first served us. And ultimately, serving is about the far greater truth that if we don't find a way to serve, to lay down our lives, then we will become miserable. In serving someone else, we may learn of the service that they may be doing for us by saving us from indifference, from ingratitude, from pride, and most importantly, from taking what we've been given for granted. They save us from forgetting the grace of God. Earlier this year, I had a very special couple of days where I got to spend some time with my 92-year-old grandmother, Flora. My grandmother, Flora, my mama, Flora, my abuela, Flora. We spent the day together and we prayed together and she hardly says much now. She kind of just keeps to herself but we got to enjoy some time together. And it meant so much, just the presence, just being together and being in her little house and taking her right around town. And I'll never forget the lessons that my grandmother Flora taught me, who's now 92. The lessons she taught me about gratitude. I remember when my brother or my sister or my parents, when any of us would complain about anything She would always stop us and she would be quick to say, Be grateful. Remember, it could be worse. Remember, it could be worse. Be grateful. You know, my grandma Flora, in her simple and gentle way, my 92 year old grandma would remind me that gratitude grounds us in reality that when we see the grace of God, we can be grateful. Gratitude is remembering the grace of God. Just like the ancient words that some of you have heard before, some of you have heard of this proverb that says, but for the grace of God, there go I. I read about this proverb a little bit yesterday and it says that this proverb is an expression of humility. It was spoken in the 17th century, so in the 1600s, by a writer named John Bradford. In using it, the speaker acknowledges that outside factors such as God's grace, the service of others, have played a role in the blessings of life. There's no such thing as just a self-made person. But for the grace of God, there we go. The grace of God, the service of others have brought us to the point that we are in today. We wouldn't be here without that. So as we've been talking about this the past couple of weeks, there are these God-sized dreams that God invites us into. He invites us into a new way, into something new. And we've said it before that our lives can take different routes. Jesus is aware of this. That's why He invites us to follow Him, to follow Him into a new path, a new way. In the New Testament alone, we see over 91 another proclamations. Jesus proclaiming, follow me, and saying, love one another, serve one another, carry each other's burdens. The gift of grace is the gift that leads us to gratitude, and gratitude leads us to service. This is not simply God just barking an order at us so that we complain and we groan as we do it, but service is about keeping our story alive as a part of God's family. So my prayer, brothers, sisters, friends, Imago Church, my prayer is that we may come to serve with joy, that we may come to let go of our obsession with control our obsession with consuming. And instead, in light of God's grace, without restraint or condition, as God has been gracious toward us, without condition, without restraint, may we receive the gift of grace. The gift of grace which leads to gratitude, which leads to serving. So that together we may joyfully partner with God in seeing these god-sized dreams become a reality and seeing all of creation and all of humanity restored back to god and god putting back together something precious that has been broken and making something new my prayer is that together as one community that we would fulfill our life purpose our life purpose, as adopted daughters, as adopted sons that have been saved by grace. May we remember this good news, the good gift of God, which the book of Ephesians reminds us in chapter 2, verse 4. Whenever you forget, remember your identity, remember your purpose, remember your reality. Grace is your reality in chapter 2 verse 4 we're reminded of this and we'll end with these words and then we'll pray. Ephesians 2 4 reminds us of our identity, purpose, and reality. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have have been saved. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, we've heard your word proclaimed. And we've meditated on just the miracle of your grace. Your grace that restores. Your grace that redeems. Your grace, Lord, that provides a pathway to new beginnings, your grace, Lord, that is able to open our eyes to the miracles in front of us, God. Lord, I pray that today your grace will give us eyes to be grateful. We're here right now for a purpose. This is not a mistake that any of us are here this morning. It is the grace of God that has drawn you near today. God we thank you for your presence for your power for your promises that we're reminded of in your beautiful word Lord thank you that you invite us into a much bigger story much bigger than just me and mine and consuming and taking Lord but you invite us into the story of you coming down giving your life away Lord so that you through you see new beginnings, new life, restoration. Lord, we just pray that today you would help us to embrace this new reality, this new reality which grace can open, Lord, this new reality that reminds us that we belong to you. And God, you're the one we gather around today. So we pray, Lord, that you would receive prayers receive this worship god receive this time that we've had together lord we are your church we are your family we belong fully to you take your rightful place here this morning god be the center of this church jesus be the center of our lives be the center of all the families that are represented here today god love you, Lord, and we know that you will do it. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray.